We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna This deal, which came together pretty quickly this afternoon and does give the Cleveland Browns a bridge quarterback for the 2018 season, is it in exchange with uh, to the Buffalo Bills in exchange for a third-round pick? The only pick they have is pick number 35, and obviously that is a big one and a valuable one. Uh, so that goes from Cleveland to Buffalo. And for the Bills, they now have a couple things. First of all, they have no starting quarterback. That is one, but they now become a potential landing spot for a free agent quarterback, whereas they weren't just a couple minutes ago. They also have more ammunition to take all of their picks and trade up in the draft. Remember, they have picks, uh, two picks back-to-back in the 20s in the first round. They also have two second-rounders. They have two third-rounders. They have a lot of picks to go up and get a quarterback. All of a sudden, the Bills have become one of the top teams to watch uh, this, coming up in the draft. Everybody, your other edition of the Rock Pal Report podcast. I am your host, Buffalo Bills season ticket holder Drew Gear. That is my producer, Chris Kruger. And to my right, sitting in studio for the first time with this, we have from Hashtag Sports a very special guest. Mario Granada. I'm much happier here. Kia is a, a vastly superior machine. The Sunday Drive. We hope for many successful years of happiness and prosperity to. Kia Motor Company. Comes on me to hashtag sports. I'm not fine. I sell fucking Kia. I got your picture of me and you. Mario in studio with us for the first time, brother. How you doing? And now exiting the studio. <laughs> you give me one, you give me one little nugget about your life, and I just rip it apart. So, folks, for those of you who don't know, Mario. You've heard Paul Wineski on our show in the past. Mario is now sitting here with us. He is the other half of Hashtag Sports and The Sunday Drive, a YouTube series that they've started where they get in a car, Mario's Kia, that we all love to rag on him for, and they drive around. I look like Shaquille O'Neal in it, that's why. And they do. It literally looks like when Paul wears a... Now, for those of you who don't know Mario, Mario stands about what, 6'4"? 
Six twelve. Six. You're six twelve and a half. With uh, he's a big guy. So he sits next to Paul Wineski, who literally looks like a little kid, and it looks like a father driving his son to football practice. It's hysterical. If you haven't watched it, you have to. Now, Mario, from your perspective, being the driver of a YouTube series, you're driving the car, you're focusing on traffic, but you're also trying to engage your co-pilot in sports topics. What is that like? It's it's very interesting because I actually I, I played a couple episodes for. Uh, you know, funny enough for my wife, and she watched him and she said, you know what, you have to stop driving. And I said, <laughs> why? And she was pretty much like, well, you, when you talk to me about football at home, like, bing, bang, boom, you're flying all around. And he goes, it seems like you're talking a little slower when you're driving because you're focused on the road or doing this and that and the other thing. And I said, well, you know, that's, I, I, I've seen so many people that just bark into a computer screen mm -hmm. as far as their takes or what do they want and so Paul and I got together we're like listen let's try to do something a little bit different let's mm -hmm. try to do something that you know hopefully will resonate just to Yahoo driving around talking sports mm -hmm. and most more specifically about the Bills so now they recently hosted Del Reed and I if you guys mm -hmm. like you know like Bills talk you like go check out that episode of the Sunday Drive it's on their YouTube channel uh, now you used to play you played D3 football I did yeah Mario has gotten a lot of his football knowledge from being in the trenches, playing collegiate football, understanding what playing it. I, I, I'm not going to say that he was ever an NFL caliber quarterback because, I mean, if that happened, he wouldn't be sitting here talking to us right now. But having said that, you, you did not do your homework tonight for this show. <laughs> so having said that, I've heard he was pretty damn talented and he knows his stuff when it comes to the X's nose of football and when it comes to football in general. You know, he's, he's an avid fan. Now, I gotta ask. For the people out there, there's a couple things when you get in the studio. We always ask the familiar questions. What's your favorite beer? Anyone I'm holding. Anyone you're holding? <laughs> How do you like your chicken wings? Hot. Hot. And do you like flats or drums? I don't even know what you just said. Flats or drums? Car or flats or drums? <laughs> chicken wings. You uh, get drums. flats or okay drums. That's All the, right, see the there right you answer. go. You're part of the club. All That's right, the right answer. All right. And and I have to ask, so folks, something you might not know about Mario. Mario is a, he's got a lot of bold takes, and one of them didn't exactly go his way. And so tonight here on the show, Mario is going to explain to everybody why he has to say, Mario, tell the people what you're holding in your hand right now. Well, to give a little background information, uh, one of the worst things that Drew Gear has ever given. Um, anyone is making Seagram's bets. <laughs> and uh, part of the Seagram's bet is that if you're wrong, you have to chug and or drink however many you decide Seagram's bets. Well, the Super Bowl is going on. And I decide to basically shoot myself in the foot by making a bet by saying that if Tom Brady throws any pass that travels over 15 yards and he completes it, I will drink a Seagram's 15 for every yard, pass. 15 yards in the air. 15 yards in the air. So that old, that whole Rex Burkhead <laughs> one he threw that was two yards over the line that he ran 40 doesn't count. There you go. That's so, good. So, every, so that's good. Every, so every pass. pass that traveled over 15, and I can't stand Ronald Darby for this. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> so the simple fact was, I, you know, over the past 17 years, I've probably studied Brady more than any defensive coordinator in the league. So, which I coined the term, he has like eight yard passing tree. Mm -hmm. So I decided to make a very safe bet. Like if he completes any pass, 
that travels over 15 yards, I will drink a Seagram's. And now, due to that, I have to drink nine. Nine Seagram's, folks. However. Yeah, I only have one in-house here. However, so. I will drink, I will knock one of them down today. However, for a guy that threw for 500 yards, nine is a win. That is a win for nine you is because a it could have been much, much worse. What flavor you got there? Uh, peach. Fuzzy navel. All right. Bottoms up, you pussy. <laughs> I'll kick it back over to Drew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, folks. So, now we've been talking about that. I mean, what a week to be a Bills fan. I mean, are you cra- – things – this – I was telling Chris this – this is when I got here today. This might be one of the most exciting years to be a Bills fan because stuff is changing. Things are being done in a drastically different way than they've been done over the course of the last decade and a half. I told you before we started recording, you're going to Jamaica draft weekend, and I told you, I don't even know this person that's getting married. I hate her, and I don't <laughs> think I will ever, ever like her at all because you're going to be in Jamaica. This is... This is going to be the biggest draft of our lifetime I mean, just, for the Bills. And you just look at the last week, all of the stuff that's happened since we recorded our last show, it's been seismic. I mean, it's the only way you can ex- describe it. And we're going to kick all of this off with our second of the offseason. We've got to throw some dirt on the grave for the death of another terrible Bills fan-driven narrative. And that is... Tyrod Taylor will start for the Buffalo in 2018. Dearly beloved, we have gathered here today to bid a fond farewell to the idea of Tyrod Taylor being the Buffalo Bills quarterback in the year of 2018. We all know that Tyrod Taylor was not a great quarterback. We all saw his lack of 300-yard passing games in regulation. And yet, his leadership will be missed. Having said that, anyone out there drinking the Kool-Aid, repent. Repent now. Amen. And you shall be saved. You know, the last time that we did that, last time that we did this narrative... Uh, you didn't come on the mic acting like Brother Love from the WWF. <laughs> Ultimately, folks, this is, I'm glad. I think it was more sexual chocolate. I've coming never to seen, <laughs> I've never seen a group of people, a, a player. I said it earlier in the year, and I'll say it again. I've never seen a player divide our fan base as much as Tyrod Taylor. The guy had this ability to just make, half of the, half of the fans thought he was trash. Half of the fans thought that he was great, and everybody, uh, I'd say actually two-thirds, and then the other third fell somewhere in the middle. No one knew where how, where he, where they fell on the spectrum or how to feel on a week-to-week basis about Tyrod Taylor. I'm, I will say that I run the entire gamut of emotions when it comes to that. So if we're eulogizing his time here in Buffalo, I'll say he gave me some highs, he gave me some lows, he got me somehow backwards into the playoffs and then failed to record a touchdown from the goal line where we had the ball and all you had to do was throw a pass. Ultimately, I I, I just, all I can say is that Tyrod, good luck on the other side. You've now joined the factory of sadness, the place where football goes to die. We wish you And with that, folks, we are going to kick off this week's Bills News Update.
Tyrod Taylor has been traded away to the mistake on the lake, the factory of sadness, the Cleveland Browns. Mario, I was uh, let me paint a picture for you. I'm walking through the grocery store. It's Friday. It's about 6 p.m. Let's assume Wegmans. Wegmans. Around the corner from my house, thank God. Yeah, because only peasants go to tops. Because I am loaded, loaded on cold medicine. I am in the I'm at the peak of being sick with bronchitis. Okay? Full disclosure to anybody listening, I detest shopping in any way, shape, or form. Food, clothes, housewares, anything besides tools and booze. I hate shopping. You're a horrible you're horrible at grocery shopping. Well, it's because I'm bad at it. And I'll tell you why. I'm the guy who wanders around the store with a basket in my hand, even though I probably need a shopping cart. And I have to I, I have no concept of the layout. I can remember how to drive anywhere if I've driven there once. I can't remember the fucking layout of a grocery store to save my life. The story's starting out like the first two minutes of Law and Order. <laughs> so yeah, I'm probably. The, I'm the guy who walks across, all over a grocery store, backtracking 500 times to find 10 things. Because I have no idea what I'm doing or where I'm going. So picture that, drunk on cough syrup. Wandering around a grocery store, pissed off that the move that the song moves like Jagger is blasting over the PA. I'm 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 furious. There, there's nowhere else I, I I oh my god, that's hell. Right there in that moment, I'm in hell. Thank God for my fiance. I'll say that because she handles all the grocery shopping. Without her, I'd be I'd probably just be dead in a ditch somewhere. Yeah, she asked me about like where I get things because I can't tell you how many times you come over here and like, oh, where'd you get the salsa? It's at Wegmans. When you look around. <laughs> so knowing this, you can imagine how much worse it is trying to do all that. Friday afternoon, you're not with it. It's been a long week. You're sick as a dog. My phone is in my pocket and it starts to vibrate, and then it keeps vibrating, and then it vibrates some more, and now I'm angry. Because I'm like, who the fuck is bothering me? Leave me alone. I didn't check it. Just kept wandering around with my 50-pound basket full of just groceries. Give me a basket? What <laughs> is wrong I with you? Because I always convince myself I you got I don't a cold. The cart will keep you up. I convince myself that I never need a cart. You probably carry a basket on your forearm. I do. Like a 90-year-old woman. That's exactly do you get home, how I do it. Do you get home and look at the trunk of 15 bags and go, <laughs> challenge accepted? That's it. I all try right. to carry it all in one trip. So I turned down the chip aisle, and as I'm standing there just trying to figure out, there's these popped chips that Wegmans makes, and I can't find them, and I'm delirious, and I'm trying to locate them amongst the sea of bags. And I hear these two guys in the aisle talking about Tyrod Taylor is going to be the best quarterback the Browns have had in years. And I just started laughing out loud, thinking, what a bunch of idiots! Oh, Tyrod Taylor doesn't play for the Browns? Oh, you people are too stupid to even talk to. And then my phone just continues to vibrate, and that's when it hit me. Something fantastic might have just happened. <laughs> oh, I, 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 not, I can't tell you how many texts, phone calls, and just tweets that I was inundated with. But I'll say this. I walked out of Wegmans like Judd Nelson at the end of the breakfast club <laughs> with my fist in the air and my 15 bags of groceries. 
Do you know that the fact that we traded him with bonus and all to the Cleveland Browns, we not only did we manage to offload him in his entire contract without us having to eat any of it, so we freed up over $10 million in cap space, but also retained the first pick in the third round? What an idiot their GM is. What? <laughs> what an idiot. Oh, what a loser. It's quite it's highway robbery that we got 65. But we're going to package that and send that to go to the first round. Mario, what were your thoughts on the trade? I got to know from a more rational human being, what were you <laughs> thinking when it happened? Well, you know what? Just to backtrack to you know one of your points earlier of uh, how polarizing Tyrod was. He w- there was never a quarterback that was more Jekyll and Hyde in this community because of how awesome he was off the field and how he had questionable plays on the field. When he was on the field, he's like me playing 18 holes. I mean, he would have <laughs> six or seven awful plays, and then he'd hit like a shot three feet from the hole. You know what I mean? That's what he would do. So he was so frustrating in that. I I was in shock, first of all. Second of all, I was I was sitting there thinking, you you had a sixth round pick, you know, because everyone was in uproar on my timeline, just as yours. You know, I, I was looking at everything. Everyone was losing their minds. Uh, I just kept saying, you know, he was a sixth round pick. He came to Buffalo. He increased his stock, and he's not part of the Buffalo Bills structure or plan moving forward. So the Bills were going to try to get it whatever they could from him. Were you surprised and we got 65? I was very surprised. I, I, didn't, I didn't think he would have gone any higher than a fifth-round pick. Yeah, yeah I would, I would, After we paid the $6 million, though. I would totally agree with that. There's no way we could get the first pick Everyone in the was relegated round. that we were going to eat the $6 million from Tyrod Taylor. And we ended Someone up needs to that. drive by one Bill's drive just to make sure that the police aren't there waiting for Brandon Bean for committing robbery. I, um, because that's what happened. I had a, I had a friend of mine say, he could he could take a school bus full of kindergartners and drive it off a cliff and no one in Buffalo would convict him. No, not at this point. That's I mean, that just let you know the kind of clientele I hang out with. You know what I mean? So folks, ultimately, this is I mean, like I said, just seismic changes in the landscape of the team that we've kind of grown accustomed to. We aren't a team that's known for just seismic changes when you're talking about changing the landscape of a football team. Brandon Bean has been here for one year. He's been here for one year. And he's going into his first draft. Going into his very first draft. And yet, in one year, he's done more to reshape the the franchise as a whole than any GM before him. Because every GM before him was unwilling to clean house. People don't really, They weren't supposed to make the playoffs last year. They weren't. No. They really I'll, weren't. I'll tell you this. We had a we had a roster that and right now I see the talking heads. Well, what's his face? Clay, Mike Clay, or whatever the fuck his name is. Who? Some analyst somewhere with his head so far up his ass that uh, I I digress. Wipe his ass by putting the, his hand in his mouth. There's another guy out there who's spouting about the Bills that by quote unquote his projections, which you know every analyst has their own you know projections quote unquote that are supposed to matter to everybody who follows them that the Bills are one of the bottom five teams in talent in the NFL. That's fine, because you put us there last year. 
Last year, everyone said, oh, the Bills are a bottom five roster and they can't win a damn thing. And we went to the playoffs. We won the games that we needed to win. Were we perfect? No. But we did what had to be done and we were there on the bubble and things bounced our way. That's it. That's all we had to do with a terrible roster. And I'd say an underwhelming roster. Not terrible, but underwhelming. When you look at the talent in the AFC. So given that, we're going into another offseason. Brandon Bean is shifting and remaking this team in his own image the way he sees it. The way no GM before him has ever done. And I'll tell you, I thought the Tyrod move was balls. Right? It was the balls. It was the... I'm not even going to call it ballsy. Yeah, let's get to the shaft. Right now, I'm looking at this... He wasn't done. Because... Big Balls Bean is a BB. He has to walk around like Stan Marsh's father in that South Park episode with his testicles in a wheelbarrow. That is Brandon Bean right now. Because he wasn't finished with Tyrod Taylor. Because after he got done fleecing Cleveland, he he, he moved on. He meant every word of what he said in the offseason. He saw a team that was in cap purgatory, yet wasn't winning enough games. And didn't have a franchise quarterback. There's no reason you should ever have salary cap issues... If you're a team that's not consistently winning and doesn't have a franchise quarterback. So, he agreed to come here and through the first few press conferences claimed that he thought he had a fix. He's not just tinkering, folks. He's taking a fucking flamethrower to things. Lars from Bills and Beers right now is going to have to eat some crow. Lars repeatedly came at me over the topic of a Cordy Glenn trade. And against all evidence I could provide to him, continually claimed that the Bills were stupid for not trading Cordy Glenn at the trade deadline for a late round draft pick. And that somehow we lost by keeping him around. This is what Nate Geary and I had to say on the topic during Nate's last appearance on the show the week that Cordy Glenn got placed on the injured reserve. The host of the Bills and Beers podcast, Lars, has continually blown me up and tried to beat me up on social media ever since the trade deadline because he's convinced that the Bills somehow screwed up by not trading Glenn away in the middle of the season. He's adamant that keeping him around rather than trading him away for a late-round draft pick was a mistake. Now, Nate and I have talked about this on previous shows and countered that with what I think is pretty simple logic. Right, Nate? You don't, I don't care what it is. Even, let's not even talk about football and anything. If you have an asset and your asset is at the lowest point of its value, you don't sell. It's like sure. stocks. You don't sell your stock at the lowest point of its value. Yeah, it's like Bitcoin. You wait to right. see if it rebounds and then you sell. I sit here now and I do, I, I think that Cordy Glenn's played his last down as a bill likely. Um, only because if he goes into next season, I don't think they have plans to move him to right guard. I don't think you move Cordy Glenn to right guard, or not right guard, right tackle. You mentioned about his trade value being diminished. The problem is, is with this procedure, is he going to even be tradable when the, you know, first of the league year comes in March? And I, and I don't know that he will be. So it's sort of like, because he's really, to me, a draft asset that I would love to think about tinkering and moving at the draft instead of maybe uh, your other first this year mm-hmm. or next year's first-round pick if you're talking about moving up to get a quarterback. December 20th, Rockpile Report, episode number 92. Lars, if you're listening out there, 
You don't get to move from 21st to 12th simply by throwing in an extra 4th or 5th round draft pick. Glenn is clearly considered to be more valuable than that by NFL GMs, which based on Lars's assessment of the value of Cordy, we should all be considered lucky that Big Balls Bean is running the show and not him. You lose, sir. Good day. I can't believe that we were able to move up nine spots and throw in Glenn in the deal. I thought I thought Cincinnati would be a little iffy on his injury. No, if you think about it in terms of you got a rookie running back there, or Joe Mixon, um, they may retain, um, and, you know, Bernard, and you got your franchise guy there. You know, we've said multiple times here in Buffalo, you're not going to bull rush Cordy Glenn. And if you look at that division, you got a guy that has to contend with Miles Garrett now. You got a guy that has to contend with the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, and and the Baltimore Ravens. Those teams come after you, and now you got a guy that's six six three twenty five that you cannot bull rush on the left side of that line. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys, he's only twenty eight years old. So, you know, when you want to talk about Glenn, the natural progression of tackles in this league, if you know they're starting to get up there in age and they're not really that good at tackle anymore, what do you do? Put them inside. Drop them down to guard. Mm-hmm. You can get about two or three more years out of these guys. So they're 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 probably hoping to keep Glenn around for about six years. At oh, least. I'm sure. At and least I, I bet you their idea is, hey, we get him now. We're they've already negotiated the contract. The hard part's done. Yeah. We pay his salary, and then when he's at the end of it, we extend him if we think he's good. Ultimately, it's a win for Glenn because ultimately Dawkins made him expendable. I hated the Deion Dawkins pick. I hated it. I still hate it. And But here's what I say. Serviceable left tackles will get you by. Look at how many teams don't have to have stalwart left tackles and still make the playoffs and still make championship runs every year. I see left tackles playing in Super Bowls who don't necessarily belong there. I mean, look at the Eagles. Jason Peters goes down. They have a backup playing there. They made the Super Bowl and won it. So are you taking Jeremy White's view of a NHL goalie and equating that to a left tackle in the no. NFL? What I'm saying is that left tackle is one of those positions that you still need to have a good one. Because when you, I've watched enough Bills teams that had shit left tackles. I know what that looks like. Mike Williams? <laughs> right? Mike Williams? I also, bite your tongue. I also... Don't ever mention that name in this house. I also understand that you don't need... In, you can't win with a shit left tackle, but you don't necessarily need an elite left tackle. Well, the, the offenses are constantly changing now. That's you know it. what I mean? A lot of these guys... Um, I think I mentioned to you yesterday, uh, you know, we were discussing if, if the Bills should take a, a lineman, a tack, right tackle, mm-hmm. right, you know. I said, draft anybody from the Big 12. They know how to pass block. Yeah. Because that's all they do down there. And that's it. You pass so. block. There's no running in that, in that conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, the fallout from the move is that not only do we clear additional sailor cap space this season, but we're off the books, we're off the hook for his future salary, which is going to come off of our books. And as of today, that future is looking brighter than the sun. When you consider the fact that I know we don't know the details of you know some of the signings that happened today that we're about to talk about, but we're heading into next year with over $90 million in cap space. We're in the top of the NFL next year for cap room. How many are under contract? You don't know we that. have a handful, but it doesn't matter because... <laughs> You got five guys under contract. It, it doesn't matter because ultimately the team will be what they want to make it. You've got draft capital. You have, 
and he can and Bean can spend it the way he sees fit. Whereas he doesn't have to labor under the auspices of Doug Whaley's mistakes. And Cordy Glenn was not a mistake. Cordy Glenn was a very good draft steal. pick. Steal. He was Many, a steal at the time. But that was not a Doug Whaley pick. That was a Doug Whaley extension. It was not a Doug Whaley pick. Darius was not a Doug Whaley pick. When did he start? Buddy 13? Nicks. Buddy Nicks. No, I mean, Darius? He started, was Darius it manual draft 13? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, manual was 13. So okay. essentially what you're looking at here is he decided to pay these guys huge contracts. Well, last year we had a tackle step in and fill in admirably for an injured left tackle. That left tackle makes $16 million a year. Here's a guy who can do it at a fraction. I can't even describe how small of a percentage that fraction is. And he's younger. And he's much younger. So you jettison this guy because ultimately you have an end goal in sight. Brandon Bean, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot about him throughout this entire process. And what I've learned is that he says nothing in his press conferences, when you you know meet and greets with the public, if people ask him football questions, he will never give you anything. But when he says he wants something, he's going to put his sunglasses on and he turns into John Wick and he goes and gets it. I said it, and I told you watch him. way too many movies. <laughs> I don't watch it's enough like the, over here. It's like the seventh reference you dropped so far in the show. I don't know he any of these movies goes that he's referenced. And he gets the things that he talks about. And he does it quietly. He doesn't he doesn't rant and rave about how I'm gonna do this. Not Rex Ryan style. Everything's Texas the holding with the with these guys, man. He's, he plays his cards close to the vest, but when he says, Hey, I've recognized a couple things. We have a cat problem and we have a quarterback problem. Well, it looks like he's doing he's moving mountains. To put well, himself in a position to fix both. Well, the Bills, at that time when we were talking about it, the Bills were like around $35, $36 million mm-hmm. under the cap. And they could have. there's two avenues they could have taken. They could have said, listen, we're going to burn up all our cap signing a, a number one quarterback, and then we're going to use all of our draft picks to fill in the holes that we need in our team. They seem to be taking the other path. They're going to say, listen, we're going to we're going to sign these free agents to affordable deals, two-year deals. Right? And that's yep. the thing you have to realize. And if it's one-year it. deal – they're willing to give up all their first-round picks this year. If it's a two-year deal, they're willing to negotiate 2019. So what they're doing now is they're using all of their draft capital to move up, and it seems like they're going to try to get their quarterback. Now, here's what here's what I, I'd say about this. You're talking about in terms of just things we've done, things that he's done. I've seen a lot of different things thrown around. One of them is something that I think is interesting. I saw a blurb on Twitter by one of our followers. His name is Pit27Dog. If you're, follow, if you're listening out there, congratulations. You just, got a, you just got yourself a mention on the show because your tweet was it had a point. stated that fans should keep an eye out for the Bills to start working the waiver wire as a sign that a trade-up in the draft could be coming. Now, I responded to him. That by my count, we've already done a lot of that. When you take a look at some of the names that we've added, either late draft picks, priority, uh, priority undrafted free agents, over the course of the last ten months, if you go back to the you know beginning of the season and then at the end of the season, who we added 
You know, you might think those are arbitrary moves, but I look at it like this. For wide receivers, we brought in a former, I think a fourth-round pick in Malachi Dupree. We have Brandon Riley, who was a big fan of the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Buffalo Bills fans know who he is. He put on a stellar preseason performance. Yeah, and he took an Uber from Chicago to Buffalo. Quan Bray, who was another guy who was pegged as a priority undrafted free agent. And Rod Streeter, who was turning a lot of heads in training camp before he was injured. So the fact that they went out and signed all of these guys to future contracts before last year was even over, they knew, I think, and we're going to get into that in a minute, but the wide receiver position was something that I think, I mean, you think about the the trade for Kelvin Benjamin. Yes, we're going to pay his $8 million salary this year, but I think that's a GM reading the tea leaves and saying, hey, I'm looking at a market that's going to be overinflated because of a lack of draft talent. So... We're going to go into this draft. We're going to set ourselves up. We're just going to grab a bunch of guys that I like, and we're going to get them in-house before anyone really has a chance to nab these guys. Yes, they're all projects, but one of them could pan out, and if they do and they turn out to be our next Chris Hogan, no one's going to. everyone will pat me on the back, and no one can fault me if I'm wrong because they cost me nothing. Those are, a lot of those guys you mentioned are special team guys. Exactly. So if you take care of the fringe players, you can you could take care of the horses when you need to. Exactly. Tight ends, Jason Kroom and Keith Tobridge. Again, two backup, you know, kind of second tight end, third tight end caliber players. But they're on the roster already for next season. At defensive back, really interesting, Breon Borders. Guy was a turnover machine for Duke at cornerback. Turnover machine. Got his hands on 14 balls in one year. A lot of passes defended. He's That's seven guys, Chris. <laughs> And then at defensive tackle, we brought back Marquavius Lewis. Hilarious first name, Marquavius. I laugh every time I say it, but ultimately, Marquavius Lewis, who's a big man, and he's a big body in the middle of a defensive line. They're bringing in fringe guys to kind of fill out those, hey, we think these guys could be something who are fringe roster players next year, so we don't have to fight for other people for them next year. They're already locked up under contract. And I said, hey, you know, this whole waiver wire thing, the Bills have already done it. That should be a signal to everybody that they're going to trade up because they've done this. They've already gone out and fleshed out their roster in positions of need. Tight end, defensive back, defensive tackle, wide receiver. They've gotten essentially guys running back. Guys who equate to fourth through seventh round players. Exactly. So. They've taken spaghetti and thrown it at the wall already. And now they're just waiting till next year to see if any of it sticks. So, having said that, we take a look at what the Bills have in draft capital. You take a look at the draft board, because that's ultimately what's, what this is all about. Everything that they've been doing in this offseason comes to the draft. This is going to be the pinnacle of what the Bills accomplished this offseason. The crown jewel, if you will. You look over our picks, round one. Both of our first round picks are now formerly somebody else's picks. That's pretty great. That's a great feeling when you're like, Doing oh. Doing that in March? Yeah, that's We pretty somehow good. own two first-round picks, and both of them belong to other teams. I'm a, I am ask my girlfriend. I'm constantly talking about piracy. If I could, I'd just quit my job, grab some rum, buy a boat, become a pirate. Unfortunately, there's laws against that. I can't do that. Just a few. Just a few. 
So, what that, that that's highway robbery, what we've committed there in the first round. We have the 12th pick overall and the 22nd pick overall in the first round. Nice place to be. Yep. Round number two, Mario. 53 and 56. 56 coming from the L.A. Rams in that Sammy Watkins trade. Now, let me ask you this. Is it damning? of the GM of the Rams, that you traded away a second-round draft pick for a wide receiver that you ultimately did not retain the services of, is a rental. But this isn't hockey. This is football. You rented a wide receiver for one year who did not catch 10 touchdowns for you. That trade basically comes down... True. True. I'm sorry. It comes down to just the draft picks. We're not going to... We signed Vontae Davis. I don't think we're going to sign EJ Gaines. So it just basically came down to they gave us a second and we just threw him a sixth. Well, here's the thing. My question for you, Mario, is that GM an idiot? No, because when you start dating somebody, you don't think you're going to break up. That's not in your mind every day of your life. (laughs) You say, hey, we're going to be together for a while. This is great. And then when you break up, that's when you say, I should have never started with her. That's ridiculous. (laughs) That's what happened. Okay, you thought you were getting a first-round talent. You would be able to retain that first-round talent for a second-round pick. That's a win. Didn't happen that way. You're not an idiot. It just didn't happen that way. Also, Mario, don't ever let that guy cut you off again. I mean, look at him. He's a cripple. If he t- if he sasses you again, I want you to shove him out of his chair. He can sass. He can do whatever he wants. I'll see, sass you see, right now. That's how you know he's a father. He's got the patience that I don't have. <laughs> Chris, if I was on this side of the table, I'd shove you right out of that chair. Don't make me come over there and whip you finish all your broccoli? Just let me know. Okay. So in round three, we own two picks. Pick 65 via Cleveland in the Tyrod Taylor Thank trade. Thank you. Nine picks within the, our second round. Pick two. 96 from Philadelphia. Thank you. So again, all of these picks, out of the first, so we have six picks in the first three rounds. One of them is ours? Only one of them is ours. Jack our Pat. original pick. Brandon Bean has been doing work. And then round five, we have our 155th pick and the 158th pick, courtesy of Jacksonville, from Marcel Darius. Sweet. So now when you when when you talk about amassing all that draft capital, there's only one reason you do that. This is like Lord of the Rings for all of you nerds out there and another movie reference for Mario over here to Number make, eight. Make here we fun go. of me for. It's like... You're Sauron behind the Black Gate, and you're just amassing everything that you possibly have so you can unleash it on the rest of the NFL and say, hey, anybody else who wanted to trade it for a quarterback? Well, I've got bigger and better than you, so suck it. This is what Charlie Casserly had to say about the prospect of trading up this year in the NFL draft. Well, I'll tell you what, I think they got to protect themselves and sign a veteran quarterback, whether it's a Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Bradford, but they're going to have to sell out to get in the top four. Because at five, Denver could probably take a quarterback. We know the Jets could probably take a quarterback. So they're going to have to against Cleveland to move back to 12. What's that going to take? Your first this year, the 12th pick. Your first next year. That's just your opening bid to get them interested. Teams aren't going to want to move out of that top five, top six, very easily. I really think Brandon Bean's eyeing number two with the Giants. Do they? I really think that's what we're going to do. Do they drug test analysts anymore? <laughs> I was just curious. For years, the Browns have been trading and stockpiling picks. You think that they're going to do it again? Mm-hmm. No, well, and this is it. When you look at all the teams, now there's a boatload of teams that we could be trading up with. I guess the question becomes, what makes sense and what doesn't? <laughs> so let's run it back. Mario, humor me. 
We start with the Giants. The Giants make sense for a trade-up partner because they hold the number two pick in the draft. By trading for Tyrod Taylor, you're right. The Browns just got their bridge quarterback. So they don't need a quarterback who can start immediately. You've said, and we actually on this podcast busted Ryan Lasel's balls, again, over the fact that he uh, he thought that your claim of drafting Saquon Barkley number one overall was absurd. It is absurd. Well, we had uh, Matt Waldman from the RSP on this show a few weeks ago, and he I brought it up thinking he was going to make fun of you, Mario. Mm-hmm. And instead, he said that you were right and that he was such a dynamic playmaker that the Browns could afford with the 1-4 pick to wait on a quarterback because a running back of that caliber may not come around again. Well, the thing about it is, too, you got to think about what the Browns have done in recent history. They've given up on Goff. They've given up on Wentz. They've given up on Mahomes, Watson. If they give up on a, on a draft class, which many perceive is the greatest one to come out since 04, what are they doing? I mean, you've got a head coach that's 1-31 in 31 right now in the, in the quote-unquote mistake on the lake. But you're right. Bark, I, I started – started touting uh, Barkley's horn because everyone else was talking about quarterbacks. So I said, mm-hmm. listen, this guy is a dynamic playmaker. He could change the game. Look at Le'Veon Bell. What's one of the things that you always have to do in the NFL? you got to take care of your division first. The Browns have had to try to stop Le'Veon Bell for so many years. Now they, can have, they have a chance to get their own. Look at what the uh, San Diego Chargers did just a couple years ago. They had to face the likes of Von Miller. They had to face the likes of uh, Houston. They had to face the likes of... Um, Khalil Mack? Yeah. Khalil Mack, exactly. You run the so ball. what did they do? They like, listen, okay, Carson, Wentz and Goff are both gone. We're getting Joey Bosa. You guys are going to have to contend with one of our animals now. So that's what they did. So this could be one of those things where, I mean, I love Barkley number one just because, probably because I've been saying it for like four <laughs> months. Because you've been um, telling everybody who, just to, but just it, to get everyone fun, mad. But they, they do need a quarterback, as we know, because we have insider information knowing and living through Tyrod Taylor for three years, the Cleveland Browns do need a quarterback. I thought they were going to get one in free agency. Therefore, they could use one in four. But if they do not, if if they do not draft a quarterback with the with the number one pick, that number two pick is going to be they're going to have to call the cops because the Giants are going to take somebody and they're going to See, violate them. And that's why it doesn't make sense because the number two pick in the draft. If you're trading up for a quarterback, even if the Browns do take a quarterback, there's still plenty. This is the deepest draft class we've seen in more than a decade. They should take one at one and four. So this is the thing. You're so bad at it, just it use it at one and four. to trade up to two. Do you work for WGR? <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you do that if you're Cleveland? Draft you a quarterback you every round. A, you haven't hit a quarterback since Bernie Kosar. Friggin' take one at one and four. And then let him play for a year, and then Deshaun Kaiser won. How dare you spit on Brady Quinn like that? <laughs> the, the reason that the Giants don't make sense to me is because they're going to, like you said, they're going to demand a price that is going to be absurd. I don't even know how you not initially, the conversation. Not, in, not right now. I'm just saying not initially. But if, if it gets to that point. Now let me just let me give you a little scenario, Drew. Let me just ask you this, okay? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people are talking about this Bean Gettleman uh, connection. Yes, they're they're definitely going to two. They're definitely going up to two. Bean and Gettleman, blah blah blah. Okay, 
So let me give you this little scenario. You're the um, your position, your title position. I am a credit manager. You're a credit manager, and the the guy ahead of you is the director of finance. Yes. Okay. So let's say you're starting off in this company. You see the credit manager and the director of finance. You see the credit manager works there for like four or five years, and then he ends up being picked for the next director of finance. You're like, all right, I guess you know people can move up in this. So you work a few more years in the company. You become the credit manager. Okay. There's an opening. You work there for a few years, and then there's an opening for director of finance. You're saying, hey, the guy before me was groomed that way. I'm going to be that way. They get somebody from another company to come in to be the director of finance. First initial reaction right now. I already don't. Dude, the moment you said it, I, I wanted to yell at you. Okay. All right. You're upset. You're pissed off. <laughs> you're annoyed. Can I just give you a little background, though? Here's what I want to do. Um, because the guy that no one has been talking about here is Marty Herney, who was the GM of Carolina from 2002 to 2012. Yep. Okay. Bean worked his way up. He did, he did, he did all the dirty work. Marty Herney was the, uh, director of football operations for the Carolina Panthers. They selected him to be the GM. Guess who was the director of football operations after him? Brandon Bean. Brandon Bean. Okay. In 2013, they were grooming Bean. Bean was there from 08 to 2014 as the director of football operations. Marty Herney took that path and then was the GM. Bean took that path, and then they decided to hire Gettleman from the Giants in 2013. Oh. Okay? Now listen to this. See, no, I didn't know that. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing that's crazy about this whole thing. 2013, he was hired in January of 2013. April that year, guess who they drafted? Star Latulale. So that wasn't technically Gettleman's first draft, okay? You're going to enjoy this. The first draft he had, just like Bean, is coming around. 2014 was technically Gettleman's first draft. Was that Cam Newton? No, that was 2011. Uh, Cam Newton. 20, 2014, the first draft that Gettleman had in the first round, the 28th pick, he had Calvin Benjamin. You don't think Bean knew that? And decided to take him from Carolina? Listen, I want No, no, no. No, no, listen. Now listen to me. Because Paul brought this up to me earlier. Okay? By the way, though, the next year, Bean was the assistant GM. Just how good of a job Gettleman was doing. Okay? So there may be friction there that we don't know. Everyone likes to think there's a great connection there. But there could be friction that's going on there that we don't know. That's a very, very good point. Now, here's the best point that Paul brought up to me. That is the greatest thing I've ever heard. He said, listen. You have Calvin Benjamin, which was the first pick Gettleman ever picked as a GM. What just happened in, for the New York Giants with a pizza and their starting wide receiver? Cocaine. <laughs> you own Calvin Benjamin. Cocaine's it's gonna, a hell of a drug, folks. <laughs> you own Calvin Benjamin. You have Calvin Benjamin right now that cost you nothing to trade him. You want to get up to the Giants. They're going to need a receiver very soon after the NFL investigates this. The first pick that Gettleman ever picked in his career as a GM These was Calvin like Benjamin. These CIA, as far as thinking goes, when it comes to, we're going to take this as deep as it goes to the source. Jesus but Christ, You want guys. to talk about connections that go Listen, on. I'm a conspiracy theorist. You guys are taking this to a, where are your tinfoil hats? Good <laughs> Lord. But, but you I gotta, will say that has some, actually, that has, at least it has me thinking. You trade one, two, and three, and Benjamin, and you get back up to two. You trade 12, <laughs> your second-round pick, third-round pick, and Benjamin, you get two. So I'll say this. 
It sounds like it's going to cost a lot, though, to get there. And that's the thing. With the wide receiver situation the way it is and the wide receiver market the way it is, that may not be feasible because you may need Kelvin Benjamin. And that's why, in my mind, it doesn't make sense. Now we look at the Colts. Colts are another team that we've been rumored to be talking about in, hey, we're very closely talking to them about a trade up to three. The only reason you trade up to three, I'm sorry, but I don't think that Bean is a guy who believes in half measures. Not after seeing just the wrecking ball he's taken to this roster to try to remake it in his own image. It makes sense in terms of, hey, you're number three, you're going to get one of the top quarterbacks. It doesn't make sense in terms of what I think about Brandon Bean being the type of guy who, when he wants something, he goes and gets it. He accomplishes what he sets out to accomplish. So if he wants the best quarterback in this draft class, he's not going to settle for, hey, well, the Browns might take him at number one, and then we have to deal with whoever they don't take. You know, if we like Rosen and they t- they like they take Rosen, well, then we have to take Darnold or Allen or Mayfield or whoever else. Or if they like Darnold, then we have to take Rosen, but we're not really big fans. He doesn't strike me as that kind of a guy. I think he very much understands what he wants to do, and he's going to cut throats to get there. And I don't think that the third-round pick is going to get us there. It makes third sense in terms that it'll get you close. Number three will get you in the quarterback conversation. That's why it makes sense. It doesn't make sense to me in terms of you're not the you're not getting the guy. And I feel like the moves and the sacrifices that this team has made, you can't take half measures. Now you have to get the guy. Whoever you believe is the quarterback, you have to come out of this draft with them. What is it? Uh, don't don't uh, don't half-ass two things. Whole ass, ass one, one thing. thing. Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about it is this: it's we we. I don't think we've ever seen a draft before that is. There's so many variables going into before the draft and going into at the draft. So let, let's say let's say the Browns take a quarterback with number one. Okay, that opens the door for the Giants to take Barkley at two. Well, you know what? You know the you know if you want to go back to history, let me just give you a little history lesson real quick. The San Diego Chargers and the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1983, the last awesome draft class that we had, they passed on Marino because they had quarterbacks. They had Bradshaw and they had Fouts. Okay, oh, we got quarterbacks. We're going to be fine. We're going to build other ways. Well, Fouts ended up going 21 and 26 over, you know, and then Bradshaw played one game and then retired because he got hurt. (laughs) Okay, they passed on Marino. So you're looking at an aging 36-year-old quarterback who has, has been very durable throughout his career. Mm-hmm. But the Giants could very likely take a, They got a bunch of needs. But they could very likely take a quarterback there as well. Now, the only reason Indianapolis is at, is at three, that is the backstop for Barkley. That is the back, He's not going anywhere past three. Okay, If the Browns don't take him, if the Giants don't take him, he's getting taken by the Colts. The thing you have to watch out for at number three is the Colts are $72 million underneath the cap right now. Yep. And that's amazing. See the moves that they make over the next few days. If they start signing free agents, because like, they only got seven picks. So they could use more picks. If they don't start signing guys like crazy to fill that defense, that's awful. They're more willing to trade out of that third pick to get bodies in camp. Yep. And save that money for later because – they got Luck locked up till 2022. Yep. They got Hilton as the second highest player on their team. They need to start getting bodies in camp, or they're not going to start. You got to contend with Jacksonville, who just went to the AFC Championship. Yep. Game. Houston, 
And yes, Tennessee, sir. who just picked up Malcolm Butler, by the way, the Titans. Ridiculous. But you got to contend with that division. You always got to take care of that division first. And if you don't do that, if you don't start getting bodies on <laughs> a defense, which, falling behind. which you just lost a corner to the yep. Buffalo Bills. You just lost a corner to the Buffalo um, Bills. You better – they're going to make some cra- – I think they might get – but the thing is this. The Colts have phones too. Ursay's nuts. They yes. may be calling the Browns right now to go to one. Yeah, we want Barkley. They no, could be looking Barkley. for Barkley. We want Barkley. And they could so, be willing to sell the – and that's the thing. That's why all of this talk about trading up is crazy to me. What most of these trades that are going to be dictated by in the coming weeks – is going to be what happens on the free agent market. Mario, that's why we had you on here. That's, that's where we are tonight. Well, hold up. We're already 50 minutes into a podcast, and we haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes of shit tonight. Well, know, hold up, hold up. This show's like Thanksgiving. Hold We're up. stuffed, baby. Hold up. Do, Put on your sweatpants. Hold up. Do we, do we need to make the Seagram's bet? What's the Seagram's bet? <laughs> Did I just not tell you five minutes ago we're getting to two? We're getting to two? Well, we're getting to two. All right. We Chris, will be at two. Mario, with you as our witness, if we don't get to two, Chris owes me a Seagram's. We'll get to two what? If we don't second trade pick. to the second pick. Have you been sitting here? What have you been listening if to? If the Bills no. don't trade to the second pick overall, Chris wants to bet me a Seagram's. Oh, that, that works. All right, you're our witness. I'll shake on if it. If we don't get to oh, two. Oh, he can't even do it with the right hand because he's a fucking cripple. <laughs> this podcast has been going on for just a little bit. I thought you meant 2 a.m. I'm like, oh, I'd be willing yeah. to sit here with you knuckleheads. <laughs> Yeah, no. I would want to. If I had a family, oh, folks, I would want to avoid avoid them for eternity. Wait folks, till you get one, folks. I'm not having one. <laughs> and so, folks, with that, we get into the meat, meat and potatoes of why we're here tonight. And that's to talk about the Buffalo Bills 2018 free agency, and just I, take a look at what the hell is going on in the NFL. It's insane. It's crazy. I, I mean, you've got you've got a ton of movement. You know, this three-day tampering window is insanity. There's guys out there getting paid who haven't earned it. There's guys out there. The the money is being thrown around like crazy. It's insane to me. Ultimately, here are some of my takeaways. I mean, first and foremost, the three-year term. This is a thing. It's a very curious wrinkle that kind of developed over the course of the day that I noticed a lot of players – Signing three-year contracts. Because the players are going on strike. It seems to fly in the face of conventional wisdom when it comes to undrafted free agency. Correct? Undrafted. Jesus Christ. When you are a free agent, no one can touch you. You're you're your own man out there in the free market. Mario, you would be trying to get every penny you could for as long as you could, correct? If the team I'm going to, my agent calls me, it's not a team I really want to go to. Cleveland. Hey, you, you want to joke around about Cleveland. Their offensive line last year, four out of the five starters started all 16 games. Now, when you're a sieve, it doesn't really matter and you go yeah. 0 and 16. But I'm saying, though, they got a little bit of chemistry there. That, you know, I digress. They're signing three-year deals. Maybe they're not on a team that they want to be on, but there's really no other offers. So what they're going to do is they're going to ball out for three years, and then they're going to get their contract later. There's not many because teams have been burned by so many five-year deals that they're not going to do it anymore. They're gonna, Listen, we don't know if you're going to work in our system. We like you. We think you're a great player. Here's what we're going to give you. Now, here's what I've found. Just digging around through social media and trying to pick up what's out there in the news. This is player-driven. 
players are only shooting for three-year deals. Now, you ask why. It cuts contrary to conventional wisdom, but you take a look at it, they all coincide with the expiration of the current CBA. Players have griped for a long time now about a lot of things regarding the way teams have control over their future contracts, including the usage of the franchise tag as a mechanism to kind of handcuff players to a franchise long-term against their own will. The players have promised to push back against that in, in the upcoming CBA negotiations. And a part of me can't help but think, but... That might be something behind these th- numerous three-year, two-year contracts. Players don't want to be handcuffed because they want to make sure that, hey, I don't want to be under contract if a new CBA gets rolled out in my fourth year that says, hey, a team can't franchise you now. I mean, wouldn't that be advantageous for the player? Well, after Kirk Cousins, <laughs> you're going to see... That's gonna, that's definitely going to throw a curveball on a lot of people because that's a baseball contract. Exactly. Totally and that, guaranteed. And so as we review kind of what's going on in free agency so far and kind of look at the different markets position by position, you know, the important ones anyway, we start with the quarterback market. Contrary that, that, to popular belief, the quarterback market settled pretty quickly. Yeah. I thought it was going to take a while. I thought it was going to take a while to materialize that Kirk Cousins was going to take a lot of visits and that he was going to you know, take his sweet time picking where he wanted to play. And instead, all three or four major quarterback signings happened within a window of six hours. Yeah, because it's going to dictate the, the because, draft. And where else was Kirk Cousins going to go? We only had two to three options. Well, it's, it's, that's why it's not a two, two-day tampering period. It's a, when the season ends tampering period. Well, that's it. It's like you, you know this has been going on for forever. But having said that, you look at the major contracts signed just today. Cousins, three years, $84 million to Minnesota. Most guaranteed money ever for a quarterback. <laughs> Case Keenum, two years, $36 million for Denver. Okay, They're settling on the backup to Sam Bradford last year. Bradford signs one year, $20 million with Arizona. And a team option for 2019. Now, That's what, $15 million guaranteed? $15 million guaranteed. So, I know there was a lot of chit, and McCown signed one year, $10 million with the New York Jets. Which one? <laughs> the only one that's still playing. Luke. <laughs> so, when you look at Bradford, I know that was a hot topic of Bills fans today. Oh, the Bills could get Bradford. When I see him signing a one-year, $20 million contract, it tells me that the free agent market outpriced what our GM was willing to spend for a rental quarterback, which is good. That's good. I know some fans are out there lamenting the fact that we didn't land one of these guys. I am not upset by this, not in any way, shape, or form, because it means that our GM understands, he understands the salary cap. He understands how this works. He knows he doesn't have a ton of room to work with, and he's going to make the best of what he's got, and he's planning for tomorrow already. He's got draft capital. He doesn't need this guy, but he wants to have somebody, but he's not willing to break the bank for it. If you had told me that Bradford would sign a contract for, I don't know, $15 million, 
maybe 10 guaranteed. I could agree with that. And I'd say, you know what? We'll take Sam Bradford. We'll roll him in here like we did Kyle Orton. And we'll see where the chips fall. That's No, no. We'd roll him in here like Kevin Cobb. <laughs> Kevin Cobb slipped on that mat. And his dry, career dry was all the over. Mats. All of the mats. So, ultimately, when you look at the quarterback market and the way it kind of materialized so quickly, and also the prices that these guys commanded. I mean, Mario, is it a shock that we don't have one right now? It's not so much a shock as the fact that if, if you already know what you want to do and the guy that you want, that's different. You know what I mean? Like, let's say, for instance, I keep bringing this up, but Drew, you can go to a bar. You're a single guy. You go to, just for... I'm the one that's single over here. For, yeah, but you okay. can't go to a bar and talk. No, I get the personality. He could. He's got a sling, though. Yeah. I mean, this is a conversation starter, but generally I have the personality of a school you see bus the fire. Sling. <laughs> You should see the sling in my house. Um, no, the thing about it is you go to a bar, there could be three or four girls that approach you. You're like, okay, okay. No, I want that one. I want that one over there. That's the one, I, that's the one I'm going home with. That's the one I want to take home. Forget all these other ones. So Bradford, no. All these other quarterbacks could be no. They're going after the guy that they want, which appears to be because they're building up all this draft capital, one of these guys. The thing about it is, because these guys are getting signed for so hot, so much money, and a lot of teams are willing to pay that money, what do they think about this draft class? Because if this draft class was yeah. as touted as it was going to be, That's... why are these guys getting so much? Well, oh, my God, we can't. These guys aren't ready. These guys aren't ready to come in now. We need our guy now. We need to pay up. That's... We need to do this. So it... that's one of the things you might want to think about with these guys coming up. It's amazing how Josh Allen is. Just plummeting. As he should. He was he a consensus sucks. number Kyle one. Kyle Bowler 2.0. Kyle, Kyle Bowler couldn't break glass. He was next to it with a hammer. What are you <laughs> talking about? No. no. It's, we got that secret bet. Josh Allen going in the top ten. He's going in the top ten. You said top five. No, top ten. You're the idiot that can't count. That's You can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. He'll be waiting for you in the parking lot. Tenth movie. <laughs> what it comes down to is... The quarterback market's been a lot more expensive than I think any Bills fan expected. It has been. So everyone who expected, well, we can get one of these guys out of out of uh, you know whoever doesn't sign with the Vikings. Well, it turns out none of them did, and yet they all got more money than we were comfortable paying. That says something. I guess to your point, maybe that says something about what teams think about their draft market. The Case Keenum deal, though, only being two years. That doesn't preclude the Denver Broncos from drafting a quarterback at five. No, I think if you if you would assign a guy like McCarron or Foles, then you're still drafting a guy. I think that, or even the Browns with with Taylor. I think that if you sign Keenum, especially what is it, two years, thirty six, two years, like that. Million, he's like eighteen like million a year. Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you're paying that guy that much, he's not going to sit there holding the clipboard. No, I don't think so. It could be a scenario where like the Kansas City Chiefs because. We do know it's a copycat league. Denver and Kansas City are in the same division. It could be, you know, when the Chiefs took Mahomes, we thought, oh, Smith's done. Who wants to trade for Smith? And he ended up playing the whole year and making the playoffs. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Mahomes is going to have his shot now with, you know, Watkins and Tyree Kill, which, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Safeties are going to be playing 30 yards back. You know, well, you have to. So watch that division draft an insane amount of corners. 
this year. Well, that's it. <laughs> like you said, to your point earlier, you have to play the division. Now, moving on to wide receiver to fit your point. The wide receiver, the wide receiver market. You're so mad about Watkins. Oh, it's the wide receiver market is one that for months now I've been speculating on this show would be inflated simply by the fact that the draft class of 2018 at wide receiver, there is no top end talent. There's really only one wide receiver who's listed in the top. Like when people do their big boards, just, hey, can I put up what I think are the top 32 football players? Not who I think is going to get drafted, but who I think are the top 32 talents in the NCAA. Wide receiver almost doesn't crack that. There aren't any, you know, there's no Mike Williams. There's no Corey Davis. There's no Kelvin Benjamin. There's no uh, we had, Sammy Watkins. We had kissed Raven about, uh, what? who's the SMU receiver? Uh, Corey Wooten? Close. Cortland Sutton? Cortland Sutton. Yeah, yeah, you were way go. off. Cortland Sutton. Samsonite, I was way <laughs> off. <laughs> he stole it from me. So ultimately, <laughs> there's a lot of guys out there, but there's no one who's viewed as a first-round quality pick. And that's I speculated that that would inflate the prices in free agency of wide receivers. I speculated that because you saw a GM of Brandon Bean took a commodity of Sammy Watkins, traded him away for a second-round pick, but then knew he was going to need a wide receiver and traded for him mid-season. Because I think he even realized this well, he draft class. His Matthews draft, during that same his time. His scouts are probably – and Matthews. So we made two wide receiver trades in one offseason, one midseason. And I think that's the scouts getting in the GM's ear and saying, look, we're not seeing a ton here in this wide receiver draft class. And I'm sure every team was doing that. So you had to know that this class was going to get paid. Let's look at some of the salaries that have been handed out already, just in the first two days of the tampering window of free agency. Mike Evans, five years, $82.5 million to Tampa Bay. The most guaranteed money ever for a wide receiver. Jarvis Landry, franchise tag by the Miami Dolphins, traded to Cleveland making $16.5 million for one season. Sammy Watkins, three years, $48 million to Kansas City, $16 million a year on average. Are you crazy? Sammy Watkins! Mr. Sammy Watkins. God bless him. Good good for him. Thank God we're not paying that. Allen Robinson came in underneath him somehow. I think Allen Robinson's a better wide receiver. Underneath him, three years, $42 million to Chicago. Albert Wilson. That's right, you heard nothing but silence because no one knows who the fuck Albert Wilson is. Kansas City. That guy is making three years, $24 million. That's jump change. $8 million. Albert Wilson is making the same money that Kelvin Benjamin is. Who the fuck is Albert Wilson? He's making the same money as Trey Burton. Can we talk about him for a second? <laughs> Trey Albert Burton. Wilson, formerly of Kansas City, now going to Miami. <coughs> Marquise Lee. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Then you're, you're talking about an organization that paid through the nose for Kenny Stills. Okay, so let's let's just stop right there. Well, we all know Miami sucks at free agency. Marquise Lee, four years, $38 million. Jacksonville re-signs him. I like that. 
He was never productive for him. No, I like that as far as a uh, schematically. You know, you talk about the guys that stepped up when Hearns and Robinson went out. And Lee got hurt later in the year, but you talk about D.D. Westbrook. You talk about guys that, are, that could just fly. You need a – that's the thing. These USC guys are the are so crisp at their route running. That's the guys that they get at USC. They are phenomenal route runners. You look at the you look at the the laundry list of guys that came out of USC. You talk about Robert Woods. That guy's a great route runner. Okay, you want to talk about guys that nobody knows? How about this? Paul Richardson. I'll wait. Chris, tell me where Paul Richardson played last year. Uh, he sounds like a guy that works at Monroe Muffler and changes my oil. <laughs> In Seattle. <laughs> Former Seattle Seahawk who had one good year. Signs a five-year, five $40 million contract with the Washington Redskins. That's the bar now. That's, the, that's what we have to realize. $8 million is the bar now. That's my point. There are still a ton of talented players left out there at the wide receiver position who can help the Bills. But as those numbers will display, the market itself is paying a ton of money for players who, in my opinion, are worth a damn. They're, they're not worth what they're making on a year-to-year basis. You can repeat that exact same statement you just said for Ugh. the quarterbacks we talked about. You could because they're over. you say they're overpaying wide receivers because there's no wide receivers in this draft. There's a ton of quarterbacks in this draft, yet they're overpaying the quarterbacks. Well, I'll say this. I am very happy that the Bills didn't get into the free agency foray yet as far as wide receivers go because there's so much money being thrown around there there are still talented players at wide receiver. But one thing about the wide receiver position is that you are made, you live and die by the quarterback who throws you the ball. You, know, you could put Jordy Nelson. There's talk about Jordy Nelson who is go, going to be cut. Oh, he was. He was cut today. Well, I think the thing is they, they, I haven't seen the official transaction yet. The reason why is because the team floats it out there in an effort to get somebody to trade for him. Well, no, they're trying to clear room to get Jimmy Graham. Well, what I think it is is that but, – but if you're a smart franchise, you let the world know you're going to cut him. He'll hit the open market and you'll have to bid for his services. Or you could trade me right now a draft pick so I'm not losing him for nothing. That's why teams allow that news to leak to the press. That's why it happens. So a guy like you know, a guy like Jordy Nelson – you know, there's another wide receiver who, without without Aaron Rodgers, is he that good? If he played in Buffalo for the last four years, would he be the wide receiver he is right now? Probably not. No, but then again, if you draft Tom Brady in 1990, if the Bills would have drafted Tom Brady in 1999, he'd be in his 15th year at West Her right now. Okay, that's my you know, point. That's, you know what I'm saying? But the thing about it is, they saw a drop in <laughs> Jordy's production when Hundley came in. Yes. Okay, but he has. It's like almost the highest of the high, the lowest of the low. You know, he, his, his production dropped when he was with another quarterback, but there are no two guys more in sync than Rodgers and Nelson when they're both healthy. So the I mean, fact they're that they're willing to let him go. They were a victim of their own creation because they signed Jordy to a contract. Then Cobb came up the next year, so they had to sign Cobb. And then they tried making a couple of these other deals. Then Adams really had to get signed. Then they signed Adams. Now, you can't pay three guys and then try to get a tight end. If they cut Nelson, which I, I, I believe that they're cutting Nelson, you free up $10 million of cap space that you could throw at Jimmy Graham. Because yeah. one thing that Rodgers loves is throwing to his tight ends. I mean, 
had Andrew Quarles that used to catch touchdowns. When they were at their he, best, he had a good tight end. He had Richard Rodgers. Yeah. He had Jared Cook. Well, Jared Cook is a pretty good. You know, but he wasn't great. You know, he, he was he was he was above average. When he, but then yeah. again, who isn't when you're with Rodgers? Yep. You know what I mean? So, but the thing about yeah. it is, that seems like the direction they want to go in. You know, they have their wide receivers set. Um, that offense there. Sometimes they put Cobb in the backfield. He's very versatile. You have Adams, who's who's a playmaker in that division. Now you want a tight end to take some heat off of Cobb and Adams. So, that's so my right. point is, I guess that there's a lot of things that are going to happen at the wide receiver position. Bills fans shouldn't sweat it because there's going to be names out there. You know. When we talk about needing talent at that position, we still do. But I think that there's still going to be guys out there, and we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna list a couple names at the end of the show that I think are still going to be there that I like, that we can still talk about as far as guys to look forward to joining the roster, maybe on a cheap contract. Because I like the way their GM is working right now. Breaking news: Teddy Bridgewater and the Jets have agreed one year oh so they've got two quarterbacks now so the jets have just signed two quarterbacks to one-year deals both mccown and bridgewater to one-year contracts does anybody know what the fuck they're doing well, that tells you two things one they're still in the market for a quarterback and if they do trade out of their pick for someone who wants a quarterback they're going to request next year's first that's <sighs> i think you have i think if if anybody's going to move up into that top six, you're going to have to give a first and your first next year. Which is, but they got Christian Hackenberg. I mean, let's. Is he not worried? Yeah, you heard Silence. crickets. You heard crickets because that guy is a bum. I time his release. That guy, that guy will be what? He will be offering me a free windshield wash with newspaper and Windex for a dollar on the side of the highway somewhere in the near future. I could time his release with a sundial. That's how bad his release is. The guy's but no, a but here's bum. the thing. Here's the yeah, thing. Yeah, well, that, he, he also he can't hit sand if he fell off a camel. Here's the thing that bothers me about these teams you keep mentioning. You mentioned the Jets. You mentioned Denver. Trading with a division rival is almost impossible. Then you got Denver. Then you got the Colts. Then you got the Browns. Then you got all, they're all AFC teams. Well, yeah, because the AFC was shit this year. No, but it's <laughs> it's very, it's very tough to trade. You know, let's just say. The Colts, for example, you had a t- like I said before, you had a team in your division that just went to the AFC Championship game. So, realistically speaking, they're be fighting for a wild card spot. Why would you trade another AFC team, a, a, a player essentially that you know could put them over the hump and knock you out of the playoffs? That's a tough sell. That's a very tough sell. In uh, in 1983, you know, you're talking about the Colts mm-hmm. that wanted to trade out. Yeah. He, you know, he he said he wanted three firsts and two seconds or something to trade out of the first overall pick for Elway because everyone wanted Elway. But that that deal did not pertain to anybody in the division. It was higher if it was people in the division because he said, you know, can you imagine playing Elway twice a year? That would be ridiculous. Well, yeah, and then they shipped him to like Denver for because he took over a, for a Corsi. He didn't like what he was doing. They, they had left tackle. Like I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But, I yeah. can. Chris Hinton. Just hitting. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I'm I'm still battling an illness, but I'm I'm still hanging in here. So yes. Sounds like the old hops and barley flu. <laughs> no, what this is is this is the end of bronchitis. It's or AIDS. Or <laughs> no, because that would sound a lot different. So m- when we look at the different markets, the next one on my list is defensive tackle. The Bills set the mark this afternoon. 
It was a position of need, and with a trade up into the top of the draft for a quarterback, which I think is all but imminent, the team must have realized that, hey, we don't have the draft capital necessary to also address depth across the defensive line. So they made the biggest splash out of any team today on the defensive line by signing former Panthers star, Star Lodalele, to a five-year contract for an undisclosed sum, which is actually kind of making my sack tingle a little bit because I'm nervous. You guys butcher his name so bad. All right, what's his, well, what's his last what's name? What's his name? Star Latino. It doesn't matter what his name is! <laughs> you just hit me with the rock. Then they brought back Kyle Williams on a one-year, $5 million contract. That was so funny. I heard everyone lost their mind. All the Bills fans pages that I'm part of, they lost their mind. Said, oh, my God. No, no, we don't want Star. We want Williams. We want Kyle. You know, we don't. He's such 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 a fan favorite. But you knew immediately they were going to sign. Yeah, give me somebody younger, please. They were going to sign Kyle. They were going to sign after they signed Latulale. I love Latulale. I love the Latulale signing just purely because, as I mentioned before, the first pick uh, after Gettleman got there, you know, Bean was there. Uh, uh, McDermott had already been there for two years. So it wasn't really Bean's decision, or I'm sorry, Gettleman's decision that first draft. The 13th pick overall, you know, McDermott's like, I need a defensive tackle. I need mm-hmm. this guy. So there's there obviously that connection there. He was willing to trade Darius, probably knowing that Latulale was going to be a free agent and he could probably get him here. Now, the thing about Latulale you have to remember is that what's going on in the NFL is Latulale plays on average throughout his career anywhere between 55 and 65% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. So he's not an every-down guy. He's not going to play 80% of the snaps, no. now, which, which teams don't usually do. But he's a guy that can generate a constant push up front. He's a big, he's a big guy. He can uh, – and, and just like uh, I think um, Sal said it today, he said he generates a, con- a consistent push up in the middle of the pocket where, where quarterbacks like to, like to step up. So that's one of those things. I mean – I love the signing. I mean, I, I called for a starter to get here so in if October. He, if he's if he's played I'll, if he's played sixty five percent of the snaps in his career, so are we looking at like a rotational defensive line? All of them rotate now. All of them definitely. Everybody rotate now. has to rotate. It's a platoon under. You saw the way situational they, football. If, you, you if you're in first Marcel, and second down, you he's saw in Marcel there. Darius become a rotational player as soon in as, Jacksonville. As soon as Bean showed up here in Buffalo, he only played twenty five percent of the snaps. Well, you know who else is a rotational guy? <laughs> A guy that only played 66% of the snaps was Jerry Hughes. Yeah. Now, you're going to pay a guy $10 million to pay, play 66% of the snaps who's an edge rusher? Yes, please. Because edge rushers, edge rushers are one of those guys that you don't replace unless you know who's replacing. Have all those sexy stats. Like, they tackle the right guy at the right time behind a certain line. But you have to know, you have to know who's going to replace your pass rushers before you replace them. I think that we yeah. Found- and prior to recently, the Bills were projected to stay at twenty-one and twenty-two because we didn't we didn't hear any news, and they were going to take a defensive tackle. They might have taken a D end. I will say this: when you look down the board, there were other options available. In my opinion, Star Lodalele. I'll say it, Lutulule. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, buddy. Go, go fuck yourself, Mario. <laughs> I don't think that he was the best. Option out there available for the money for what it was worth, but we snagged him. And both our GM and head coach are more than familiar with this guy. 
So at this point, I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can truly say I doubt their judgment. But we don't know what the numbers are yet. Here's what I, we don't know what the numbers are. Here's you want to see goes better than the number? I will say it is at least nine. It is at least nine million dollars a year. If it's a five-year deal, I'm going to go with forty mil, twenty-two guaranteed. What's the average that's per year? Five, that's eight. I think he's going to get about you know, around seven. So over seven. I don't right. lose these often, Mario, so uh, good luck to you. All right, yeah. So ultimately, when I looked over the defensive tackle chart, a guy who came to mind was Daquan Jones, who still hasn't been mentioned in free agency. He is what Kyle Williams was early on in his career. Stout against the run, a great interior pass rusher, you know, three and a half sacks, a lot of pressure coming up the middle. If it wasn't for a torn bicep, I think he'd be somewhere in the top range of D tackles. There's been no mention of his name. To me, he was number one for the Bills because I'm looking at cheap signings. Matula is going to come cheap. When, He's well, going to come when cheap. When you look at what we did last year in free agency, we made a bunch of moves that people said, oh, well, we signed Micah Hyde and some guy named Jordan Poyer. And we didn't pay him much. What, what was that? And they From turned the out to be the best. <laughs> they turned out to be the best safety tandem in our division. Okay, hands down. You can't tell me there was a arguably in the tandem. league too. So, having said that, I think that this these guys have a little bit of scouting knowledge. They do. I get it. That free agency period was overseen by a different GM, but it all went through the head coach. He knows what he wants on defense, and he says, "I need this guy, and I need this guy. Go get it." So the fact that we're going out there and we're getting star, I'm sure that's a that's a bean and that's a you know that's just hey we know this guy we know he's going to bring us what we need to do what we need to do on defense. But I think a, a guy like Daquan Jones and there's a couple other guys that we're gonna I'm gonna name in a minute that I think could really help this team. But I'm not gonna second guess Brandon Bean at this point. Otherwise no. he'll crush me like he has every other GM he's made trades with this offseason. Well, the one thing I'll bring up to you, Drew. And it's very it's it's a very simplistic view, but I think it's a very important view. But you look at any sport, any sport that's going on right now. Down right, the, well, Drew only knows softball. Down the <laughs> down the well, it probably won't apply to softball, but down the middle of the field in any kind of sport is your most important player. Yeah. Now look at the Buffalo Bills right now. Okay. In the middle on the defense, they got now Kyle Williams and Star Lotulale. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going on with Preston Brown yet. I'm sure we're going to get to that. We're not we don't know Preston Brown. But then you got Hyde and Poyer in the back end. Okay? So four out of those five positions in the middle are, re- are relatively stout. Okay? Now you look at the offensive side of the ball. The, that interior line looks pretty good. Because you, you, you got to think Groy is the successor to Wood. Yep. You know, he played, uh, he played when, very well. When Wood got him. hurt, he, Wood he got played 300-plus consecutive snaps yep. without allowing a sack. That's great. We don't know what the quarterback is yet. They'll probably be taken care of at the draft. And uh, I think they still got a guy, 10,000-yard rusher. Yeah, Chris Ivory. McCoy. <laughs> oh, Shady McCoy. But they pick up Chris Ivory, who was all instrumental for Jacksonville on third downs picking up blitzes. Yep. So they're getting the pieces in the right places so far with what they have. Okay? Then they can get their wide receiver. They can get maybe They tackles. can fill they out can the rest it. of the roster. That's fine. You have to have a core. But they're getting the – that's what they're getting. And they're getting a guy in, in you know, to, to go back to your point. Otulale, who played under McDermott, went to a Super Bowl, former first rounder, is known as a character guy. You yep. put him and Williams right in the middle of there, that defense is instantly better. Well, that's it. I mean, you think about the, our lack of run defense. 
That's where Star excels. That almost our lack of run defense almost killed our season. It's the reason we lost three straight football games. Because three straight teams ran the ball down our throats. That's why we lost. That's it, in a nutshell. We got embarrassed because teams ran the ball down our throats, and then at one point we turned the ball over five times. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> but there was a lot of running the football just all over the Buffalo Bills. This is a step to correcting that. Now, on the other side, you have to run the ball. And that's been a problem. I mean, not, not so much a problem for the Bills because we've had the most, in my opinion, the most talented, single-handedly talented back in the NFL. You put Todd Gurley behind a bad line. You put Ezekiel Elliott behind a suspect line. I think they're slightly above average running backs. LaShawn McCoy is the one guy in my mind who doesn't need a line to block for him. There's a reason no fullback has ever really excelled in front of LaShawn McCoy. It's because he doesn't follow a plan. There is no, hey, I'm going to put my head down and follow the design of the play and just run. That's what Chris Ivory is here for. LaShawn McCoy is your guy who in the middle of a play can improvise his way, bounce a ball outside, and find 75 yards to pay dirt on a broken play. Because that's who he is. That's just his field vision. It's how he carries the ball. It's how he carries himself. Our offensive line has to get better to support that and give him the space he needs to operate. The offensive tackle market is a weird one right now when you look at free agency. The most talented players that were going to be out there or that have been mentioned in the last week were either trades or guys who got re-signed by the team that they were originally on. So it's going to be interesting to see where these guys, as the market comes down, land, considering there's only two tackles right now that have agreed to deals. The Bills, Chantrell Henderson, one-year deal for $4 million of Houston. That's a get for him, considering he was a former seventh-round pick who was making next to nothing. Donald Stevenson, one-year, $2.5 million for Cleveland. Other than those two guys, the offensive tackle market's been crazily silent mm -hmm. now here's what i think i look across the line of guys that i like and i think about a guy by the name of chris hubbard hubbard formerly of the pittsburgh steelers guy is a former guard former tackle he's played left tackle he's played right tackle he's played interior guard he can play four positions on your line as a starter and do it well He's out there on the free agent market, and he doesn't have a contract yet. If I'm the Buffalo Bills, we've seen what Jordan Mills is. Turnstile. Do you want to see one more year of that? We could. We could sign up for just sit tight, one more year of the uh, Jordan Mills experience. Well, you got to realize the scheme's going to be completely different now. Yeah, well, he was protected under the Greg Roman scheme because there was a lot of pin and pull rushing. We were pulling guards, pulling tight ends, pulling blockers to the edge. So it was never on Jordan Mills to seal the end on a run because he's terrible. Instead, other players were doing it. Knowing what I know about him, I think Hubbard's a, fanta Hubbard's a fantastic free agent for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I guess that's where we start this conversation, Mario, between you and I. When we talk about what's good for the Buffalo Bills going forward, 
you look at what we have going on cap-wise, okay? Right now, we've got to, I mean, we don't know the terms of the star deal yet, so that's kind of up in the air. But without that deal on the books, we had $39 million, 39.7. We had 9.7 in the rookie draft pool. And to me, that's an interesting wrinkle. Because you know you're not going to spend almost $10 million on rookies. You're not doing that. This draft capital was amassed with one purpose in mind, and that's getting a quarterback. Mm -hmm. There will be a trade, whether we like it or not. Even if they trade up and then draft a guy I hate, it's going to happen. So given that, I take a look at the roster. We have 53 players currently on the roster. 34 of them have taken an NFL snap. Mm. 34. How many do you have to field, Mario? How many have to show up on game day? 51? No, you, you, you probably play essentially around 45 of the guys. Okay, so 45. So right now we are, so 34 players are currently, and that's counting the guys that I talked about earlier who were just signed to futures contracts, who were essentially mm-hmm. fringe NFL talent. I'm pretty sure if you look around the league, that number is the same around the league with a lot of, with a lot of teams. Okay. Because they, they, they just cleared house. They did some of the free agent signings at the end of last year, and they're going to wait for the draft. And the, the actual free agency period, they're going to add guys here and there that, you know, maybe the one- or two-year deals. They're going to fill out the roster and, and in a way that they're going to. So that kind of – I mean, that's it. That that brings us to where the Bills are today. You look at our free agency outlook because, yes, we made a move today and we re-signed one of our own. Good, great, wonderful. That's fantastic because we beefed up the middle of the line. That was a giant question mark. No one knew what was going to be there. Now we know we have Adolphus Washington. We've got – Kyle Williams, and we've got Star Lotulule. Here, I'll I'll pronounce it correctly for you. Perfect. So when we're talking about what we need in free agency, that's one of the biggest parts is identifying what a team needs. We're standing back from 1,000 yards away, and we're looking at this Buffalo Bills team. We're a team that needs a linebacker, a middle linebacker. Currently, we don't have one. Our, Our previous linebacker, Preston Brown, he was probably number two in the inside linebacker market under Anthony Hitchens. Anthony Hitchens just signed a massive contract with the Kansas City Chiefs because he fits a 3-4 scheme. Preston Brown is still on the market because he's arguably worth more than Hitchens because he's scheme versatile. Mm-hmm. He can play a 4-3. He can play a 3-4. Has proven that he's done both. By that logic... I think he's outpriced himself as far as the Buffalo Bills are concerned. And the scary thing to me is that there aren't many other names out there. Well, the only one I can think of is Kevin Minter. Kevin Minter's not very good, though. I, you, just, you just want a name, right? He's average. Want, he's okay. average at best. In that type of a defense, though, could he be above average? Because you talk about scheme all the time. We talk about scheme for offenses. We say this guy is productive in this scheme. This, Maybe. You mentioned Jordy Nelson. You know. They, they may be only productive in certain schemes. Sometimes a guy just needs like a change of venue. Maybe. That and could maybe, be it. I'm not maybe sure. Maybe putting him behind dominant presences at D-tackle might make him a better linebacker. He just doesn't strike me as having the athleticism to be a true three-down middle linebacker. He just doesn't. Mm-hmm. 
Then you move on. We look, and, I, and ultimately, I, I don't think that any linebacker in this free agent class can bring the Bills what they need. Which is why it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the draft because I feel like if we're going to get that guy, the true three down, can play the pass, can play the run, sideline to sideline, captain of your defense, I do not believe that it's going to come in free agency. I feel like that guy, you have to draft him. Well, from a financial standpoint, they're probably going to go, if if they can hold on to some of them picks, two, three, and four are going to be your tackles, are going to be your middle linebackers. That's it. If they can, that's why it's going to be so interesting to see how they devise the trade when it ultimately gets made. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side of the ball, offensive tackle, we've talked about it. The market's going to be crazy. The team is reverting back to this pin and pull rushing attack. This kind of Greg Roman college style, hey, we're going to get guys out on the edges. We have a back who's incredibly talented, got a lot of vision. We've got a downhill runner now as a number two running back, one cut and go kind of guy. Hard hitter. I know that we can do better than what Jordan Mills has given us. No guy you haven't mentioned yet. Straight out of Detroit. Uh, Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson. Okay. Now, I remember Robinson. He played at Auburn. He was the second overall. That's why I'll never mention. And he was the. He who shall not be named. (laughs) He was the second overall pick during the Watkins draft. I know. War Eagle, my ass. Now, this guy has now had more pro starts than college starts. So he went to the St. Louis Rams when that division was all about defense. Yep. He faced the Seahawks. He faced the Niners. You know, he faced and the Cardinals that had solid defensive presence. Then he went to Detroit. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't panned out the way he, people wanted him to pan out as an offensive tackle. However, we know the shifts that are going on in the NFL. He could easily slide down to guard. He played at Auburn. They run block a lot. So he could be one of those guys that would come relatively cheap, as you said, mm-hmm. and you could put him in plug and play. The interesting wrinkle here, and I think the reason Bills fans really need to watch what happens in the free agent market at offensive tackle, is that in 2019, every single starter on the Bills offensive line, with the loss of Glenn, with the loss of Woods, Eric Wood. Dawkins and Vladimir Dukas are the only two starters on the Bills' offensive line who will be under contract come next season. There are holes looming. Vladimir Dukas. Wasn't he in Mike Tyson's punch-out? <laughs> Ultimately, what you need to know as a fan is that this has the potential. Our offensive line, if they ignore it, could fall off a cliff. I feel like they're too good to let that happen. No, I don't think they will. So I think it's interesting. The offensive tackle front and the offensive guard front is something fans are going to want to keep an eye on. And then wide receiver. Last year, Bill's wide receivers were one of the last ranked groups in the NFL as far as getting separation. That And that was something that people pointed to to try to support Tyrod Taylor. As, oh, he's not a bad quarterback. Look, these guys suck at getting separation. And I would point to the stat that we talked about earlier, Mario, where almost half of the balls that Zay Jones got thrown were uncatchable. Yeah. Less, He's not a good quarterback. Yeah. But the wide receivers didn't do him any favors. No. So, regardless of who starts a quarterback next year for the Bills, that has to change. But there's going to be options, cheap options, because speed Speed is speed. 
top tier wide receivers are going to get paid. But there's still guys with talent out there who are just out there because there's too many guys trying to be wide receivers at this point. And then a position I think nobody's talked about, kick and punt returner. The oh, wait, we've talked about that the with Buffalo, the Kist and Waldman because we need one in the draft. The Buffalo Bills have been far below average the last two seasons in terms of production from the kick return. Years. Well, Sproles wants to play one more year. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> we haven't had a punt return for a touchdown since we beat Green Bay here in Buffalo. What was that, four years ago? Three years ago. Got to be, no. The four. Rambo game? We four. Had two Rambo picks. game. Four years ago. John Rambo? That was the last <laughs> punt return for a touchdown we've had. We've averaged below the league average in kick returns and punt returns every single year since we lost. I mean, I mean, McKelvin, nobody liked him, but. Yeah, that's why we drew a penis on his lawn. We? Who's his we? What? Were you one of the guys? No. Like right, we, well, then don't we, say we. We as a fan base. You sound like a wife. We have, <laughs> we have to move the couch. We, uh, yeah, which yeah, means I'm yeah, moving the couch. Because we had to move the couch, which means I'm moving the couch. Damn it, Robert. Now I'm all fired up. I get a lot of wheeze at my house. Don't worry about it. Because you're married with kids. Yeah. Ultimately, this kick and punt returner situation, it has to change. And I think that if you don't do you either have to do it in the draft or you got to do it through free agency. It's almost easier to do it in free agency because you know who's proven. Who are these guys who have proven they can return the ball more than 15 yards? If that's the guy, then get him. Well, I, Grab that guy. Drew, I, I mean, we, when we got Tate, Tate was good. Mm-hmm. And then he... Serviceable. Serviceable. And then yeah. he fell off. Well, that's like saying that your house is on fire and your car needs an oil change. What are you going to fix first? <laughs> All right. I, mean, I understand. I mean, you need a punt returner. I understand that, but it's not... I, if you had to rank it as one of your um, major needs for this team, I don't think it's really up there. I right, think that's, well, a, that's a guy you could pick up that's fringe practice squad guy. So right now I want you to walk me through this, the best of the rest. We've seen the names that have been signed. We know what's been talked about. Who is still out there that you think fits the Buffalo Bills on defense and offense? And then I guess we're going to wrap this whole thing up talking about worst and best of the day. So when I look at the defensive side of the ball, like I said, Daquan Jones, to me, Tennessee, 26 years old, defensive tackle with pass rush talent, with run-stopping talent. He could be a three-down starter for you at the NFL level. Is he reading his Tinder profile? (laughs) 26. No, he's reading mine. Jones, in my opinion, was a much more multifaceted player than Starr or Dontari Poe. But he still hasn't been signed to a deal, which tells me that there may not be as hot of a market, which means maybe the Bills could fix that hole in free agency too. They could be waiting. Now, what about you? What do you think about the defensive side of the ball? Well, what are some names? I, I happen to be a little bit higher on Preston than you are. Okay. But I, I think, to your point, he has priced himself out of the Buffalo Bills unless he's going to be one of those guys. I mean, he's played over, what, 95% of the snaps every year he's been here. He's one of those guys that, okay, he's a classic case of you play your rookie contract and then you go out there and get what you can get. So... um you know, and people brought up his whole Patriot uh, 
quote. I think he was he was asked a question and then he answered it. Honestly, I just think that, I don't I don't think there was anything really much behind it. But you know that his his agents out there shopping the fact that he has been successful in a three four and a four three and led the, led the league in tackles. If you look at customarily a uh, McDermott defense. You know, I, I don't remember Luke Keekley making a lot of coverage plays in Carolina. Now, people want to say, well, it's not technically McDermott's defense, it's Leslie Frazier's defense. Well, Leslie Frazier came from, I mean, the, here's a guy that played for the 85 Bears <laughs> and is, uh, you know, came from the uh, Tony Dungy Tampa 2. So, where the middle linebacker does go all over the place. So, they could be. They could be definitely looking in the draft. As far as that, like you said, the, the, the market for a middle linebacker, which is the number one need for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I just received a text from Paul. We, we, he was very high. On, yeah, what does that snaggletooth want? He, uh, he, he's very high on Aaron Colvin, the, the slot corner for the Jags. Amazing, amazing slot corner. The only reason he fell in the draft is Do you know he's that he's his, already signed? No, he is already signed. Yeah, that's what, I was, that's what he texted me. He was really upset about it. But an amazing slot corner guy but that, that got taken because he is an amazing slot corner. Yep. Um, as far as the offensive side of the ball, a name that we really didn't mention is a guy who is much like a Calvin Benjamin type in Brandon Coleman uh, from New Orleans. He's a big body guy, and he okay. just hasn't really reached his potential in the NFL yet. And if that scenario played out that we talked about earlier about perhaps trading up to two, maybe throwing Calvin Benjamin in the deal, which was Gettleman's first pick ever as a GM, Brandon Coleman would be a nice little pickup. And you can use Benjamin's contract to give to Coleman. That's fair. I can see it. Now, here's what I'll say. I look at the offensive side of the ball, and I I think about a tackle I'd want. I already talked about Hubbard. Hubbard from the Steelers is a guy that I absolutely think that we need. He's multifaceted. He can fit in anywhere. If you draft a right tackle, you could slide Hubbard inside the guard, and he's still an above-average starter for you. Does Bean seem like a guy that wants a versatile player, or he wants a guy that's going to do his job at one position. Well, and so that's what we're going to find out. This is it. This is what's going to tell us the rest of the story on how Brandon Bean operates. We've learned some things about him this offseason. He's going to finish out his first season, full season, and first draft as GM, and we're going to learn a lot about how he operates. Aside from offensive tackle, though, there's one other position I think we could, op- could still address in free agency, and that's wide receiver. Now, I said there's top-tier talent that's getting paid simply because of their production last season. In Sammy Watkins' case, I don't know what they're basing his payoff of. I think they're basing his payoff fairy dust, dreams, maybe some meth. Someone in their front office is high. Hunt is going to rush for 2,000 yards next year because there's going to be five guys in the box. (sighs) Nobody's going to – oh, my God. I hate you. You should take that right there. (laughs) So You should take it. I'm not making a Seagram's 2,000 yard. Bet. Yeah, I say you know there's been seven in the history of the game. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, OJ. <laughs> so on put the knife down. On, on offense, I look at the wide receiver position. And I see two guys who stand out to me because there's two types of wide receivers you need, okay. and I see two of them. Okay. John Brown, Cardinals, Arizona. Yep. Guy is a deep threat. Yeah. <clears throat> pure speed. Pure speed. Straight line, he's gonna he's gonna run a lot of fly routes, a lot of go routes, slant and goes. We had a guy like that that we got rid of, remember? <coughs> Captain Triple Jumper. Well, we did, but Marquise Goodwin wasn't durable. Mm-hmm. Brown really hasn't been either, but 
with the right quarterback, he can be a good wide receiver. And you need a speed, any wide receiver core. We saw what happens this year when you don't have a deep threat. Teams take your wide receivers away. We need a speed wide receiver. John Brown is one who won't cost you a ton. <coughs> you must like you must like Jerron then, right? You dying over there? We Call need me a medic. Jesus Christ. Whew. That's how much you like John Brown. Well, John Brown, Jerron Brown, both of them. I'd say they're almost interchangeable. They're the same type of wide receiver. Okay. Then Michael Floyd. Wide receiver out of Minnesota. Cheers. Much embattled, drunken asshole. Guy causes some trouble here and there. He passes. He fails a booze test because of kombucha, or so he uh, claims. What I'll say is this. When he's at his best, he's a big downfield target who can fight for the ball in the air. And at the same time, he's a big body at wide receiver. In the red zone, he's a threat. Andre Holmes hasn't done dick for us since we signed him. So what you're saying is that any receiver who was formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, who <laughs> Carson Palmer has thrown passes to, and Carson Palmer went to where? USC. Great so you, route runners. So what you're really telling us is that you want the Bills to trade up for Sam Darnold. I swear to God I'll come across this fucking tape. Go ahead. It's a foot and a half. Oh! Those are my picks, folks. That's how I feel. Those are the guys I feel like we're going to be looking at. So now, in wrap-up, around the table, Chris, we're going around the table. We're going to talk about what we thought, looking at all of the signings that happened today, the best and the worst. We're going to do two minutes tops. Chris, we're going to start with you. I'll start because I go the quickest. There'll be uh, the Bridgewater agreed to go to New York. That would be the that would be the worst because Josh McCown's already there. No, because <laughs> because the Jets missed out on Cousins and they were like, oh shit, we got to sign somebody, and they just decided on Bridgewater. Because but, but then they also decided on McCown. So so now you have multiple shit quarterbacks. How many shit quarterbacks can one franchise own? Yeah, I don't think that was a. If I now were, all they need to do is draft Josh Allen and they'll have the shit quarterback trifecta. No, I, I think it would have been, it would have been better if uh, Bridgewater could have gone somewhere else. If he could have apparently you have if he could have gone if he could have gone to Arizona, that probably would have been a better fit. But Kaiser Kessler and Hogan last year for the Browns. Hey, you be nice to Chris Hogan. Kevin Hogan. Kevin Hogan. Kevin Hogan was the man. Grab that beer. He from was him. the He's man done. for Stanford. How many games he won? He won enough. He's broken down. Least favorite. I just told you okay, least most favorite. Favorite. Favorite sounding of the day. Ah, uh, Jesus. Um, I don't think you're I have that, one. I don't think I have because he doesn't know football. I don't. I would, I would, on, I would just say uh, star because he signed with Buffalo. Mario Granada. Um, obviously, I got to go with, with my boy star as the best signing. And, and, and the best move, I well, think, of the day was the Bills still playing it close to the vest and not taking the bait of these quarterbacks. Now, I got to ask. Is your favorite signing star because you know that there's this asshole out there named Ryan Lacell who works for Rock Sports Network, who you know now owes you lunch? And not, we're not talking Mendy's soup lunch. We're talking full-on, you better crack a lobster lunch, because fuck that guy. 
No, I, I, we, we had, we had, <laughs> cause he bet you. We, he did, he did bet me and we talked about it. Um, I think cause both of us are currently on diets and I know looking at me oh. at, at 260, we can both eat. Um, I think it's going to be more like a cheat, more of a cheat day for both of us one time when we both go out and maybe talk a little football. But I don't, I don't think it's going to be. Any, I'm not going to take the guy to the bank. You know what I mean? So come on, why not? No, I, it's he can afford it. I was right. It's all oh, I need. Oh fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, well, what, good, good hey, thing Ryan, that, if you can hear this, go fuck yourself. It's good that uh, Lacel's on a uh, diet because I think as time goes on, if he didn't get on a diet with I'd say five to ten years, he'd probably have the figure of Paul Bearer. <laughs> I'd grow my hair out again if that if that happened. Folks, uh, my no, worst signing. Worst signing of the day. What do you think? You ready? Kirk Cousins. Oh, that deal. Can we get a moment of silence for RG3? Because I think he had a stroke today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. My understudy <laughs> made more money than me. Oh, my God. Shanahan knew something, huh? That. Cheers to you, Mario. Cheers to you, sir. Oh, Jesus. Folks, I got to tell you, from my perspective, good signings, bad signings. I'm just taking a look over everybody who signed a contract today. I'll tell you, I think the I think the worst signing of the day, if I had to pick one, I mean, the best signing of the day for me is Andrew Norwell, guard for Jacksonville. You know why? Because the rich get richer. They know. You're talking about Doug Marone. Doug Marone is the guy who punts from his own side of the field. Chris looked at me in the middle of the Bills, the Bills-Jaguars playoff game. Opposite side, you mean? He's on the opposite <laughs> side of the field. He's on opponent's territory. He's on our 47-yard line. Chris looks at me before the ball even gets snapped on third down and goes, holy fuck, Doug's going to punt. The pass falls incomplete, and the punt, I'm like, no, they're going to kick a long field goal. And the punt unit comes out on the field, and I look at Chris. I'm like, holy shit. What are the lottery numbers tomorrow? <laughs> That's funny. You will live and die by that offense, and they'll live and die by the running game. That's it. That's all they have is that rushing attack. Mm-hmm. He doesn't trust the kicker. He doesn't trust the quarterback. He trusts that Leonard Fournette, who is a dynamic running back. And so what does he do? He goes, okay, well, we drafted a good left tackle. We've kind of fleshed out the offensive line in the last few years. Now I want the best guard I can get. So I, they're trying to be the Cowboys on the AFC. The best offensive line with a great running back to just bowl teams over. That way they can – think about it. They signed Bortles to an extension. They know what they're getting into. They're settling for a couple more years of having to dominate through the run. Can that be the worst signing? That, I yeah. feel like that could be the worst move. But instead, I've got another one, okay? And that's Malcolm Butler to Tennessee for five years. Malcolm Butler, for all of the accolades that he gets, will be exposed down in Tennessee. I'll tell you why. He's playing Andrew Luck. (coughs) He's, Mariota's on his team. Mariota's a good quarterback. When healthy... He gives the defense enough support to not be gassed on the field all game. Having said that, I feel like that division is a lot more competitive. You need to tackle in that division. He's going to get burned by Triple H. <laughs> Hilton, Hearns, <Yeah>. and Hopkins. <laughs> you 
have to play some dynamic wide receivers Absolutely. in that division. Yep. And Butler survived in the AFC because there hasn't been many dynamic receivers in this division. There haven't been. Name me one. Who's who's the number one wide receiver on the Jets last year? Can you name him? No, because... Quincy? Quincy? Somebody named Quincy. Robbie Anderson? Robbie Anderson. Not household names. Landry's a stud. Bills, nobody... We're like dodgeball here in the AFC East. We don't even know who our own best player is. <laughs> They're like, Bold oh, strategy, Cotton. Your best player is a pirate. Hey, the joke's on you. We don't even know who our best player is. <laughs> that's that's the AFC East at wide receiver. So he left that division and went to a division with some dominant receiving talent. Corey Davis is down there on his team. But he's going to go against him in practice. Maybe it'll sharpen him up a little bit. But Christ, he's going to see some guys. And he's going to have to tackle because those teams can run the football. You know he's by himself because the North Searcy is down there. Because the Doris Sears, he's done. He's done? Officially. Done. All right. Cut. Cut from the Titans. So ultimately, I think that's the worst signing because he got five years, $60 million. $60 million. And the best was Andrew Norwell. Mm-hmm. Guard. It's going to help running game. Everything else that fell in between, I mean, Paul Richardson, he almost got the worst. He was honorable mention. Because who the fuck is Paul Richardson? If you don't play fantasy football, you don't know who that guy is. He's paid, is what he is. He's paid. That's right. That's it right now. He's <laughs> he doesn't know who I am and he doesn't care. Folks, ultimately there's a lot that's going to come out in the next few days because the Buffalo Bills are obviously, hey, we made some big moves in the first few days. We're going to play it close to the vest and kind of cheap throughout the rest of the free agent period. There's no more big splashes to be made. We're going to go into next year with over 100 million dollars in cap space depending on how Star Lodalady's contract is configured. That's huge. So not only are we in position to get a franchise quarterback, but we've signed positions of need in the free agency period. And there's still wide receivers that we can get out there on the cheap. Ultimately, I love the way things are headed for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, this is the first time I've been truly excited about what's going to happen in the future. I have audio that says otherwise. <laughs> well, yeah, of course you do. Because you're, you're the fucking... Uh. Chris, why don't you hit me with it? The vault. I don't, I don't have any in the... I don't have anything loaded. I'll, I, can, I can do that for June, July, when there's nothing going on. Fantastic. You, we'll revisit me, this later, yeah, folks. I can revisit it later and play all the dumb shit you've said over the last three years. So having said that, I feel pretty good about today. Mario, how do you feel? The Bills the Bills won today. The Bills, Bills won, won the day, right? Yeah, the Bills won the day. I feel good. We didn't make any mistakes. We didn't take any gambles. Didn't overspend. Didn't overspend. You sound way more humble than you probably should be because I think you started uh, – I think it's on Facebook. You said something in October about Star. The Yeah. In our, yeah, I, I, was... I would be – if I was you right now, I'd be like, suck my dick, everyone – I said this way back in October, <laughs> six months ago. Look how right I am. I was Suck ha- it. I was happy. I was happy. Paul Paul knows how happy I was. I, I texted him, and, you know, the, just the fact of being right was enough for me, I guess. Chris, that's because you're never right. <laughs> that's why you would embrace this one time. Speaking of, wait, uh, Paul wanted me to tell you a quick little story. He plays Madden on his phone. 
You ever, you ever download the Madden app and play it on your phone? I don't know if you no, because I'm not 15. Well, you, <laughs> you can get you can get players. So he ended up getting a player, winning a player. It was a Derek Carr with a 104 rating. That's right. Sounds about right. Because he's elite. He is elite. All right. I'm not. End of the story goes. He cut him. The Derek Carr is not elite. That's fucking right. He's not. He is so elite, folks. And funny. on that note, we are going to end tonight's show. Thank hey. you so much for sticking around for all of this. I got to give a shout out. Longest hey. podcast ever. No, it's Chris. not. Not even close to the longest podcast. You're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> shout out to my cousin Stephen. Uh, sentenced to life in jail over the weekend. Love it. Jesus. So. All right. Well, hey. Cheers. Cheers to Stephen. Never seeing the light of day again. Woo. Well, you do know. I mean, he's getting married. Oh, I said. I was about to say, fuck that guy. No, he got engaged, just like you and <laughs> you, yeah, jail. you and. If he had only you, talked to somebody beforehand, I ca- I called him. I I didn't know what it until happened. I saw it on Facebook, and I called him. I go, did you not learn anything from me or cousin Drew, and especially Uncle Bob, who's been married fucking three times? You didn't learn anything. Good luck, guys. We gotta get out of here. Mario, where can we find the Sunday Drive, and where can we find Hashtag Sports on Twitter? If you go on to YouTube, you type in uh, Hashtag Sports Radio, you'll find all of our content. We have the Sunday Drive. We have the, on, on, obviously on Sunday, we got the Test Drive on Monday. We have Hashtag Extras on Tuesday. We have the Drive Through on Thursday. we got a bunch of content there for you. And if you search Hashtag Sports on Twitter, Instagram, you'll find us, and our uh, webpage is HashtagSports.com. You can find all of our content. Used to be .net threw me off today because it sent me to some place in Germany. That, so thanks for that, that. That wasn't my website. You're thanks looking for- up something else. You <laughs> might want to clear your browser history before you go home. <laughs> Guys, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Mario Granada. This has been one of the longest podcasts of my entire life. This has been the Rock Power Report. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.